0: Joe presents TKO, together with Thirty Two Red. Welcome to TKO on Joe, together with Thirty Two Red, we're a podcast and YouTube show with you every Thursday. Trackies and trainers with no socks uh, for me today because we've just come from uh, a big shoot for Stand Up To Cancer with uh, Graham Swan, John Walters, yourself. Good day, wasn't it? Day. I don't have tracksuit and trainers on. Well, no, totally I took a hit for you on the last dress, challenge. Dressed for the occasion. Do keep out for that content across uh, Joe over the next month. Um, support, like, and share. And of course, give whatever you can. It's an important cause. And it was a, a great day. So, on to TKO. This week, very pleased to have Andy Clark, uh, Sky Sports Commentator, back with us. The last time we saw you was in the build up to Joshua Ruiz in New York. Um, you came on with Matt Macklin. Of course, you guys have got uh, your own podcast as well. That, of course, went badly for Joshua. We're here to talk about Tyson Fury this week because, of course, he's had a series of sort of rebuild fights in between one or two slightly bigger ones. Nearly all went very wrong for him on Saturday, didn't it? It
1: did. The cut changed everything. A cut like that's always going to. Mm -hmm. And when the fight was made, Otto Valin got roundly slaughtered on on social media purely because most people hadn't heard of him. But if you have not heard of someone, it means you've never seen them. And if you've never seen them, you can't possibly know how good they are. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't really understand that, but... That's logic, which generally doesn't apply to social media,
0: anyway. Yeah, because we were joking, because obviously you and I both worked on the comms desk for the Southland, so we've been out and seen some of these obscure sort of Eastern European and Scandinavian fighters. We're lucky enough to have both actually seen him and seen him spar Joshua as well, and knew he was actually a lot better than he was probably given credit for. And of course, you can't discount the added... What well, did you what know? I,
2: I, I didn't know him, and, and I was asked the question literally a few hours before the fight on another show, BT show, at Your Call, and my answer was. I don't know a lot about this guy. I don't yeah. think a lot of other people do. I can't really judge him. But my impression was it was just another fight for Fury before the Wilder fight. Mm. But obviously, he was a lot better even, even than, than I thought. That's a totally fair response. That's mm. that's the
1: kind of sensible response if you haven't heard of someone. I don't expect everybody to have heard of, of everybody. But just to write someone off on the basis that you haven't seen them, is just it doesn't make any sense at all. I didn't expect him to beat Tyson Fury, but I just knew he was a lot better than Tom Schwartz. But having said that, I thought it was going to be exactly what you just said it would yeah. be, which is a little ramp up before the fight with Wilder. And maybe it would have been that if he didn't get cut. But as soon as he got cut, it just changes everything for two reasons, doesn't it? Because firstly, it was really bad. And there's the yeah. blood in the eye and the discomfort and the mild panic, even mm. for someone who's experienced this in. And secondly, because it was a punch. If it's a head clash, then you, you get through four rounds and then you look to get it stopped as quick as you can, don't you, and get out of there. But because it's a punch, if it gets stopped, you're going to lose. And that would have been a total disaster for him, for top rank, for Bob Aaron, for for
0: everybody involved in the whole thing, basically. Yeah. Of course, financially, a lot invested in him from their point of view. And they were actually quite instrumental in getting that information across to Ben Davidson. So, obviously, the cut was the cause of a a little short left hook when they were close up in the corner. According to Ben Davison, Tony Weeks had told him that it was a clash ahead. So they assumed that we'll just get through two or three rounds on the cards, go to the cards and it will be ruled a no contest and we'll carry on as normal. However, due to this WBC replay review thing that they have in place sometimes, they realised that it was a punch. And Davison didn't know, the ESPN commentary team did, and they sent one of their reporters to interview Ben. And essentially pass that information to him. Now, if you've been in that situation, let's, let's say hypothetically you're at the sky desk. When Adam Smith calls the main fights, you sometimes do kind of scorecards and they come to you every three or four rounds. If Adam has said to you, listen, Joshua's cut, they think he's a but need needs you to go and tell him, would you be OK with that? In that situation, yeah, yeah. because they need to know
1: and, yeah. they, and they should have known. Because if the WBC have decided via their instant replay that it's a punch, then the referee should be told it's a punch and the referee then, I'm sure, would have told Ben Davison that actually it wasn't a head clash; it was a punch. It's it's essential information that they should have.
2: So yeah. Did no, Tony Weeks, not it was I'd a I'd punch. No Obviously he didn't when he told Ben Davison it was a clash of heads. But by the time ESPN told Ben Davison did weeks know that that had been it was actually a punch I mean, I'm, not, I'm not sure I guess that's what his interpretation of it was and I guess he must have got that wrong
0: not knowing or maybe he hadn't spoken to somebody from the commission
1: I, I wouldn't have thought he had I wouldn't have thought I would have thought he would have made that decision yeah. himself yeah. but then once they have watched it like you say they should tell him of course, because he would then realise I told Ben Davison this and it's wrong and then he would go and correct it I mean, it's like any kind of technology. It's, it's all in the use and the application. It's, it's great in theory, but
0: if you don't get defined details right, then it can be chaos. A lot of pressure on referees, and, and they seem to be under as much scrutiny as, as ever these days. I mean, we, we were talking about Tony Weeks at the weekend. You know, when that cut opened and it got worse and worse and worse, a lot of people, certainly on social media, the fallout this week has been well, you should have stopped the fight. And had it been Otto Wahlen in that position and he was cut and required that many stitches, it would have been stopped in round yeah. three or four. Same with Michael Griffin in the Joshua fight in round three when he was put down twice. That second one, I remember him getting to his feet and looking at him. Well, we were, you know, you and I was as close as anybody to that. And he looked, he looked done, like he wouldn't have begrudged the ref for waving it off then. But you can see the cogs in the minds ticking of the referees thinking, if I wave this off now, I'm blowing potentially hundreds of millions for the broadcasters, for the fighters, for the promoters. It must be a very difficult thing to be completely objective and make the right decision in that situation where you know as much as anybody what's at stake when you make that decision. Yeah, I think so.
1: I think a lot of things might race through your mind. But one thing I would say is that in America, if you box in America plenty, referees generally tend to let things go on a bit longer than they do here. They will give you, incorrectly or correctly, more of a chance. I mean, you've seen some fights continue over there when someone looks in real trouble. Mm. And what the reason for that necessarily is, it could be a mixture of the things that you just said, but also just their mentality is to, I wouldn't describe our officials as squeamish. I don't think anyone who boxes that squeamish,
0: but you could say they are more squeamish than, than the US officials. The other thing I think was was of note about that Tyson Fury's performance, and Ben Davison has, has said this actually to kind of corroborate what certainly I saw, and I think a few other people did on Saturday, was even before the cut, he looked very flat. Maybe suggesting he, he was overtrained or just putting in a little bit too much road work and actually just come in without the snap and the usual spring that we see. Now, he's never been the sort of guy that has overperformed against lesser opposition. He seems to raise his game when it really, really matters. So Sometimes, actually, he doesn't look great against these sort of European and fringe world level guys and actually looks a million dollars when it's the Vladimir Klitschko's, the, the Deontay Wilders. But he did look flat, there's no doubt about it in those first couple of rounds. We were talking earlier, you yeah. were quite flat in the, in the Scott Quigg fight. Yeah. Difficult when that
2: happens on fight night? Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, I was flat in that, in that fight. Um, obviously, I had my struggles to make 8 stone 10 or yeah. 122 pounds, and it was definitely tight at the weight, but I was flat in the fight. I won, it was a fight that I won pretty convincingly, but I felt like I remember being tired in the fight and just flat, but in the last few rounds, I, I got extremely tired, and I was winning rounds at the start by doing very little. So I was happy with that because of the condition that I was in. I remember coming back to a corner and Shea McGuigan, my trainer at the time, was saying, you're winning rounds, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm. If it's going to be born, it's going to be born." And that was the right, the right advice in the end. But his tactics were strange as well, so who knows what way the fight may have played out if he had to put the pressure on, knowing that I was a little bit flat. But it's just one of them things. I got through it and I was you know, not lucky. I won the fight pretty convincingly, yeah, but yeah. I, I was glad I won it. Because for Fury, of course, the argument is that had he started a bit
0: sharper... Established himself more, and his movement was a bit better. He probably wouldn't have got trapped in the corner as he did so early on, and taking the punches that he did, which opened the cut. So the whole narrative with the fight, it's easy to say, well, the cut was what changed the narrative. But actually, you can also say, well, what led up to the cut was also what changed. Yeah, the, the yeah. I, I mean, from. I mean, you can say any number of things, yeah. really. And, and I think there's there's a massive temptation
1: and, and a huge tendency for people to look at everything in light of confirmation bias, if you like. It's just kind of you take what's happened. And you try and you work, work out, almost. and you work backwards, yeah, basically. Yeah. And Joshua Ruiz was, sort of, we always end up going back to that, but it was a classic example because he was really relaxed during the week and we're all talking about how, how isn't it brilliant how relaxed he is. Then he loses and he's far too relaxed <laughs> yeah. and that's why he lost. Yeah, if he'd won, then that would have been great still. With Fury, yeah, I think maybe he did look not quite as he does normally, but mm. I don't know, I, I think... Peaking for that exact yeah. moment for the bell. I mean, it must be very difficult. A lot difficult. of that has to
2: do with, with the opponent as well. And yeah, how he's performing. Although he won the fight, but to come out and say, you know, I was flat going into it, to be a wee bit of an excuse. I don't think it needs to be said. Mm. I don't think you have to say it, especially when you win a fight. Buatzi was very flat three or four weeks ago against Ryan Ford. And I, you I was... told me that. I didn't hear that about Buatzi, You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I didn't see any of the interviews afterwards. But I don't know if he's made a vocal and. and no, he, he hasn't said so much. But he was in the changing
0: room as soon as he was hitting pads. I just went. I'm not sure what's happened here, but he's just having—he's just not there. There was no snap, timing was off, and then in the fight you're in against the game opponent that sees you as a target and a big name to beat, and suddenly the gap that should be like this, you know, really narrows, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a bit more of a dog fight than you'd anticipated. You add in a couple of cuts, and suddenly you've got a very competitive fight. But I think we've had a lot of fights recently where someone's just—it's an open and shut case—they're
1: going to win, and then it becomes about how well they win. Yeah. Mm. That's not good, is it? Because. You want to see competitive fights first and foremost. I understand that not everything is going to be a 50-50 Hagler Hearns war or whatever, but at the same time, these mark time fights, I think people need to realise that they're not a good idea yeah. because Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Valin could very easily have beaten Fury if that fight had been stopped. Josh is slightly different because he's on the rise, but he doesn't need any more of those fights. Mm. And I know that Matt Troom don't want any more of them for him. It's just kind of hard to get him the right guy but they're not a good thing past a
0: certain level but here's the, here's the problem though because one of the criticisms levied at Joshua is that he's become a, a sort of two times a year fighter way too quickly he's had what 22, 23 fights but he's fighting once, twice a year and certainly Teddy Atlas was I remember one of the people that said he's become a two times a year fighter too quickly and he needs to be having more regular fights so you could argue it both ways yes Fury's maybe boxing substandard opposition but would you
2: rather that or would you rather be active? There's a balance, isn't there? Yeah. It depends who you are as well, though. I think Fury's had this kind of comeback where he's lost a lot of weight. He's been training. It seems like he's he's just constantly been training. I don't think that after the sports fight, I don't think he needed another fight before before Wilder. I don't think he needed it. And Wilder's got another dangerous fight coming up himself with Ortiz here. So, mm. again, that could throw a cat amongst the pigeons. And the heavyweight scene... Obviously, with Joshua and Ruiz, it changed massively. If Fury had have lost with the cut, and if Wilder loses to the Ortiz, then it's a completely different scene than what it was a year ago.
0: It's also quite a worrying reflection of the current heavyweight scene that Deontay Wilder, given some of the life and death fights he's had with De Haupas and Spielker and Ortiz, of course, that he's the most reliable and consistent champion in the heavyweight division at present of all the guys. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> but you look at the way he fights and... I really do kind of love
1: him because he just goes out there and mm. just jumps on people. And Well, funnily enough, the one time he didn't do that was against Tyson Fury. He showed Fury a lot of respect. I'm not totally sure he'll do the same thing next time round. I think he might have realised from the first fight that his best chance to beat Fury, if to yeah. beat anyone, is to just do what he normally does. It might mean he loses too, but his best chance of winning is
2: just to do what he normally does. There, there is so much pressure on Wilder going this fight. I really believe it. and I hope that he can win uh, for couple of reasons because it sets up the Fury fight and also that Ortiz is a proven drugs cheat so I hope that Wilder can do the business but there's there's a lot of pressure on him and there's still an uncertainty as to who wins that fight
0: hmm. OK we're back with Carl and Andy in just a few moments time this week on Joe the House of Rugby Boys are live Who is most intensely policed in the current England squad? What weight wise? Yeah
1: Maco. well, I,
0: t- I tell you <laughs> one, <laughs> Billy must be up there. Yeah, there's a guy there's a, a great the story. The Vodipolas must yeah, be well, high up that
1: list. Yeah, I mean yeah, Mako's thing is what apparently Maco at, at Saracen's is a great story is that there's a guy at Saracen's called George, but they called him feeble George because he must have been small. <laughs> right. So they called him feeble George and what Maco would do every morning we'd come in and George would go, have you weighed in Maco? And Macko would go, fuck off and stand <laughs> over there, right? <laughs> And he'd make feeble George stand over there. Maka would get on the scales, weigh himself, and write whatever he wanted.
0: <laughs> okay, back here on TKO with Sky Sports commentator Andy Clark and Carl, as always. Let's talk about John Fury's comments that came out after the fight. Of course, he couldn't travel to the States because of obviously he was in prison from 2011. Past misdemeanors, the yeah, it affects a lot of people. Misdemeanors that, is it? a is a kind way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, well, Martin Murray had the same thing, didn't he? So. Yeah. He couldn't travel and obviously not an easy position, you know, having to watch a fight like that with your own son being at home when he was kind of at the driver's seat for all the way up to the British title in 2010. Do you think those comments about, you know, Tyson needing to clear out the whole camp and start again, including Ben Davidson, that was a little bit harsh?
1: Yeah, I did. The journey that Ben davidson has been on is really, really interesting. And I hear him talk about it. I've never met him, actually, but I hear him talk about it. And he understands the position he's in. Because when he first appeared in a corner, high-profile corner, with Saunders against Akovov, poor performance from Saunders, and so it was decided that he was rubbish.
2: I was one of the men that gave him a stick. But it was fair enough. I hadn't seen him at the time, and I remember thinking, I've since kind of... I've apologised on this show, actually, not to him personally, but at the time I remember just thinking, because he just left Jimmy Tibbs, Billy Joe, and um, I remember thinking there needs to be more in this corner, like urgency. There was no urgency, and Billy Joe was blown. And Ben then since came out and said, "Look, Billy Joe was wasn't fit. He wasn't mm-hmm. in, in proper shape to kind of put the pressure on, and that's why I wasn't kind of pushing him out." Yeah, but, but he's, yeah. it mean he said subsequently to that he knew that the criticism would be coming, yeah. and he didn't feel it was
1: unfair. He just. There were reasons. Sometimes you there. know more. Than yeah, yeah. exactly. Else does. This is very on for the criticism for Fury. Yeah, yeah I think. I, I, think so. I think so. And then you know, you go forward to the Fury Wilder fight. He's, he's helped to get all the weight off. They've had the comebacks, boxes so well against Wilder, and all of a sudden he's the best trainer in the world. Yeah. yeah. And now on the basis of a performance which was largely dictated by a cut, which there's not a great deal what your trainer can do yeah. about that, he's an idiot again. Yeah. And it's just, it's just how it is, isn't
0: it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, we we both sort of waded in on, on Twitter about it. I think in his defence this week, but it was. Know, the sort of criticism that, that come his way. Somebody said to me, well, he's no Manny Stewart, is he? And I said, well, Manny Stewart wasn't Manny Stewart at 28 years of age. Yeah, he was yeah. after 40 years in the game. And you don't judge somebody until they've, they've had at least a decent crack at the whip. And you can't give a guy that's, I don't know, he's a couple of years away from 30 at the very beginning of his career. Of course, you're not going to compare him to one of the greatest trainers of all time. Just because he's not, doesn't mean he's not potentially going to be a really good trainer. I think it's
1: very difficult to judge trainers when they have fighters come to them who are already very good. Right people say, well, oh, Tyson Fury doesn't need a trainer. Everybody needs a trainer, yeah. but you need to tell Tyson Fury less than you might need to tell somebody else. And what you do tell him, he's probably going to be able to do it. So it's hard to know how good a trainer is in that degree. Do they get... It's man-motivation a lot of the time, isn't it? Mm. Person, you, know, you look at someone like Ferguson and... Um, Did he have some kind of secret to football that nobody else knew about formations and tactics? He didn't, did he? He was able to get those players to do what he wanted them to do, massive names week in, week out for 25 years, and most people can't do that.
2: But the cut played such an important part in that fight. That's nothing to do with Ben Davison. And in the end, Tyson won the fight against a better opponent than a lot of people give him credit for. And I think it's it's really unfair for Ben to be um, getting criticised for that fight.
0: Producer Simon made a really good point just before the break that Tyson's the kind of guy that can go off the rails very, very easily. He's got that kind of Ricky Hatton syndrome where in-between fights, if he hasn't got somebody that he respects and is almost accountable to to keep that weight off, he could easily just put on three or four stone. And if Ben is the guy that's keeping me in him shape and giving him a bit of tactical help in the corner, that's a dance sight more than was being done for him three years ago. Mm-hmm. And so you can't argue with his contribution to the comeback because if it hadn't been for Ben Davison, his consistency... And his presence in Tyson's corner, he could still be 30 stone and, and now at a point where he was totally beyond any sort of comeback. Yeah, I'd say that's a fact.
1: I was talking to Peter Fury a few weeks ago, Lomachenko-Campbell fight week, and I was asking him, was he surprised that he managed to come back, Tyson, and lose all the weight? And he said, well... He said the weight wasn't that big a thing. He said that he used to come back into camp at 26, 27 stone. That was pretty standard because he'd go off and eat and drink and do whatever. And he painted this vivid picture for us of, you know, he'd get him over to to camp and he'd be skipping in the yard out the back of the caravan with Peter Fury just sitting in a chair with a hose every now and again, just spraying him down. And that's how (laughs) they used to do it, just to get the weight off early on. But like you say, you've got to keep his head straight. Otherwise, he will just... To keep him committed to that process for that amount of time, you've got to be a good communicator. You've got to know your man well. And and that was not an easy thing to do. It's quite common now for people to say, oh, everybody who puts a towel over their shoulder calls themselves a trainer. They're all just S and C. And there's an element of truth to that sometimes, yeah. but not not always. I can
0: remember after the Donair performance, and that was was that your first or second fight under Jamie? Uh, second. Second, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people were saying best Frampton's ever looked. Jamie Moore's a superb trainer mm. and then you get an injury during the Warrington fight as a result, underperform he's boxing out of his skin mm. it's still a competitive contest yet suddenly, oh, Jamie Moore's not the right man for for yeah. should have never left Shane and it's
2: it's just a never ending back yeah, and forth course, based, always, based only on your last performance yeah, yeah, of course and that and that's the way it's always going to be it has been like that and I, I, don't, I don't think it's ever going to change mm. it's, well, it's, especially these days it just seems to be getting worse but The trust I have in in Jamie, I believe Jamie's a fantastic coach. The Warrington fight wasn't a great performance, but that was down to me. The tactics that I was meant to use in the fight, I was unable to use them because I got hit hard in the first round and my kind of game plan, my own fault, went out the window. So you can't blame Jamie Moore on that because I think if I had been able to carry out the tactics that I wanted, I still think I could win that fight. I still believe that. Back to Tyson, I do wonder though, Andy. Forty-seven
0: stitches, reportedly different layers in the eyebrow. Of course, the eye, the eyelid cut as well. How that's going to affect him going forwards? Because that's not just going to heal, you know, cleanly. You wouldn't think, no. given the size of it. No, it's it's a lot of damage. It'll take time. I think
1: they will get that fight made between him and Wilder, as so long as that, as so long as Wilder comes through against Ortiz. Although, as I understand it, that's supposed to be November the twenty-third, but I don't think it's been officially confirmed okay. yet. Mm. But we all expect it to be. Mm. I do think they'll get that together and I still think that's just an absolutely fascinating fight. I mean, most people I speak to fancy fury on the basis of look how good he was last time after such a long time out. He'll be even better this time. I thought he boxed so well the first time that I'm not sure how much better than that you can really be. Mm -hmm. And I thought Wilder could have done things differently. Again, that's a lot of that's down to your opponent, but I think Wilder, I might slightly side with Wilder myself.
2: If you're Al Heyman... And you've seen what's happened with, to Joshua, and you've seen what's happened to Tyson Fury with a cut, and you've got this proposed fight with Ortiz, and it's not definite confirmation. And no one's really clamoring for it. Yeah, it's not I, like. See, I, I, made mistake. I thought he it was. I, it. I thought it was confirmed. Mm-hmm. The fight does Al Heyman and PBC maybe say actually we don't need this fight for Wilder. The Fury and Wilder fight is a much bigger fight, and much you know a lot more money's to be made let's give Ortiz a miss. And, and knowing weird. that the cut's potentially a point of vulnerability yeah. for him now. Do you with? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know the situation. I thought that fight was confirmed, but I wouldn't be surprised if the fight doesn't happen. Quick word on you this week. So there was talk of a fight with Isaac Dog
0: Bay. Oh, yeah. And I know it was like, there was loads of chat all of a sudden on social media. It, Frampton's done, it's this day, it's in California. I rang Carl and said... I didn't know about this. And he went, well, neither did I. Well, yeah. that, that's a good example of what you were just talking about with, with Ortiz Wilder. That that fight's apparently made yeah. months ago. And
1: yeah. I saw that on Twitter and I just... All the details were there and I just thought, oh, that's an interesting fight. Yeah. I was going
2: to ask you about yeah, it. Well, literally the fight was mentioned to me, I think, I can't remember the exact day, I would say it was a Wednesday. I remember I was bringing my daughter dancing. So when did she go dancing? She was dancing on a Wednesday. Mm. And it was literally just before I left the house. So about about five o'clock, half five. So it was mentioned to me, potential opponent, Dogbo was one of them, there was another couple, and will not say their names. I hadn't even said the Christine, my wife, I hadn't said the a dad, because it was kind of just like mentioned, I was like, well, okay, yeah. I'm happy for these fights, if, if they can be made. The next day, on Twitter, 8am in the morning, Frampton, the fake dog bowl in LA on the 30th of November. It I'm was like, on BBC Sport. Well, where, how are they finding What is it this happening here? Where, yeah. what, what's going on here? Honestly, and we, when people are phoning me, ask me, is this true? I'm like... I don't know. I, I haven't a clue. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny the now as well. Fights
1: get fight gets announced later and later now too, don't they? Like Sometimes we all know that a card's happening, but then it won't get announced until yeah. like three or four weeks out. It seems to be... I mean, that, that would have been a reasonable lead time, I guess, if it was happening. Yeah, it may, do you know what? It <laughs> may isn't? well
2: be a fight, and it may it yeah. may well be my yeah. next fight, but um, tomorrow I have to see a specialist about my hand, so I'll know more about that and how yeah, it's yeah. coming along then. But at this point in time, it's a fight that I would be interested in, but yeah. okay. if it happens, yeah. I don't okay, know. Okay, fine.
0: But, how is the hand
2: feeling? It's feeling better. Good. I've started doing some leg punching, hitting paddles and stuff, and probably a bit too early, if, um, please don't tell the specialist who's looking after me that I've been doing well, that. Well, it's
0: fine. this only goes out to how many thousand people a week. Um,
2: so. yeah, he says wait until the 18th to come and have another x-ray and, and he'll have another look at it, just to see if it's OK. But it still doesn't feel 100%, but it's getting better every day and I have been hitting paddles and stuff and, and it's been fine. So I couldn't quite yeah. believe it when I heard about that. I know you've talked
1: about this a lot now, but it is just absolutely incredible no. that... I was speaking uh, absolutely to incredible. Bob
2: Arm says he's never heard anything like it in sport yeah. and we all know how long he's been around. Yeah. It's like- well,
1: I was I was talking to someone the other day we were having a similar conversation to the one we're having here about how kind of harshly people are judged now. And I was saying, I bet there's some guy on Twitter out there who basically just says how unprofessional it was at Frampton not to have someone in this team whose job it was to catch falling ornaments, you know? <laughs> yeah, because you know, this, is, this is, I, if I you look you hard will, enough,
2: it'll be out there. Yeah, it will, yeah. Be, it will, be, yeah, it will yeah. be. It will be. It will
1: be it's unprofessional. Imagine sitting with an ornament on your blind side. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, unbelievable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think it was quite lucky that we were out there actually, because it just helped at least for people to see.
2: Yeah. The, the, the well, I've nonsense. got. I've got. So there's a guy called Tom Magnus who they've, they've done a, a documentary on me before and they're still continuing to record stuff uh, about my life and around fights so that's for the DVD at some point (laughs) for the uh, the offcuts but Tom was there he didn't see that happening but he's got a lot of the aftermath and any of the non-believers it's mad like you know I'm just what if, if I was going to make up a story, that is the maddest story you could have made up, surely. Yeah. We,
0: yeah. we, we speak <laughs> intimately on, on the phone every couple of weeks, so sort of a debrief on boxing, particularly since it's been a big weekend. The number of times that we've read on social media about the conspiracies that go on and that people think there are sort of some back rooms where everyone gets together and decides on
2: results and outcomes. Yeah. Please believe us, it doesn't happen. Mark you know? Kriegel from ESPN, like, pretty much interrogated me on camera. So you weren't drinking? No, it was five days before the fight. I was drinking water. i just started water loading, actually. So I was drinking lots of water. You sure? So you didn't punch anyone in the face? Didn't punch anyone in the I face. I think
1: Mark Kriegel likes to make everything into a film. Yeah, but I, but I do I, I do quite right. enjoy sit-downs in his sit-downs and his articles, but he, we did fighter meetings before Lomachenko Campbell with ESPN. So it's him, Andre Ward and Tim Bradley. And I'm, I'm not knocking him. He goes about his business the way he goes about it. But I think he was asking one of the fighters... I think it was Luke Campbell about you know going to the ring against Jorge Linares. You know your father had died recently. The images in your mind, and Luke was just like, "Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just <sighs> I
0: was trying to think about." But
1: they do. Fight, they, yeah. I think. I think in America,
2: I'm trying to put words in your mouth. Yeah, Narratives well, are big I, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They, they are brilliant at kind of mythologizing sport. You yeah. look at ESPN Thirty for Thirty and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, they yeah. do a brilliant job of kind of making folklore out of sometimes stories that are just not that extraordinary. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the differences
0: between between UK media and US media, to be honest. Yeah, you're right. Um, so just to confirm,
2: no fight date set in stone for Isabel? Not, not, not definite, it's not confirmed, but it could well be that date, but I wouldn't be, if you're going to go out and, and go to a fair, it wouldn't be bigger than If you were to tell anyone exclusively, where would you do it? Probably my Sunday Life column. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking something outside of the newspaper But whatever so It's good to know where your loyalties lie anyway so Held the
0: fort for six weeks while he's away Absolutely nothing in return um, MTK Golden Contracts uh, Was yeah. announced three or four weeks ago yeah. And even more recently announced that it's going to be on Sky Sports Yeah, uh, yeah. Good news for, for you of course um, And of course your teammate Stevie Ward's on there yeah. In the light heavyweight And the featherweight
2: tournament looks brilliant Thoughts on it? I think it's a great format It's like an upmarket praise fighter mm. If you wish well, it's given these, these guys a chance. We've seen it before in, in, the, in this sort of format. Obviously, the Super Series. What do you call the one? Fratch and Ward? Uh, Super, so Six, Super, Super Six. Super Six as yeah. well. So, similar format to that. But these guys, obviously, they're guys that don't have that platform as Fratch and Ward and the, and the likes. But it will give them the platform. So, the money in the tournament is actually decent. What in sort their... of figures are they talking about, roughly? I think if you win... And you get knockout bonuses and stuff. So if you win from start to finish, your three fights, I think you could be doing over like hundred k. Mm. But at the end of it, there's a there's a five fight two year deal with an American promoter mm. who we're all guessing is top rank, because he worked closely with MTK, and I think it's guaranteed six figure minimum purses. Really good. So it's, it's real life changing for these guys. Some of these guys may have been on you know, may not have got a 10 grand purse yet. Mm. So to go from that to that, it's, it's huge.
0: Uh, it really is. Well, of course, Stevie Ward, it was his sort of career-defining performance so far against uh, Liam Conroy a few months ago. He's in it too. They're both in it, both yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm looking really forward to really it. Good. And lastly on the list, it, it wasn't on my agenda, but we may as well talk about it. Our boys are doing really well at the world champs in Russia. Um, Pat McCormack through today, of course, by the time Thursday comes around, I, I don't know how many of them will still be in. Galau Yafai beat the Cuban US oh, this morning. He? I saw
1: I saw. that's who he got. Yeah, big That win. was a tough draw. That, really that is big a big win. win. That is um, a big win.
0: So looking good. I mean, of course, the Olympic qualifiers announced uh, for London in, I think it's next March. Yeah. Which is a great for us then, for isn't it?
1: advantage. It's so hard to get medals in that competition. Yeah. Like, GB have done better in Olympics. Than they have in the World Championships. Ireland have done well in pretty well in both in recent times. Yeah. So Michael Conlon got a gold uh, in two thousand and fifteen. Katie, as well, and Katie Taylor as well. It's it's just it's a, it's a rock hard tour. Yeah, are it's so difficult.
0: Who's your who's, who's the lad? a the, kid called Ah,
2: uh, Kurt Walker, fantastic. Serious, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And he's he's still in. He beat a Colombian there. I'm not sure if he fights the next round, but. It's so hard to meddle in that competition. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, good luck to all of them uh, for the rest of the week, and, and we look forward to the,
0: to the qualifiers. We will try and catch up with some of those GB. Uh, fighters as they get nearer to those tournaments uh, next year. Um, get them a Cormacs. Yeah, in, get the advice. twins in. We're yeah. going to hopefully sit them down in, in a little group yeah. and have a chat with them because they're, they're a good bunch. <laughs> yeah, can't it just? Um, Andy, mate, thanks very much for coming on. it be good to speak to you. Yeah, it'd be great um, to come on in. Carl, good to see you back, mate. Good thanks luck with the hand scan. Me. Hope thank it all goes well and we'll see you next week. Uh, and thank you as well for watching TKO on Joe together with 32 Red. Another episode done and dusted. And as always, we'll see you again in seven days' time. You've been listening to TKO on Joe together with 32 Red.